0: You know, I I was thinking about this topic, Life by the Holy Spirit, and when Pastor Mark talked uh, to the guys and said, hey, I'd like for you guys to, to speak on Life by the Holy Spirit, it triggered something in me. We all had the same general topic, but the Holy Spirit is so great and so amazing that he can speak through multiple people and have the same topic but it'd be so deep and so rich and so great in so many different ways than what we can imagine or even think. And, and so the opportunity to share, thank you, Pastor Mark, for allowing me to, to, to share. Uh, give you guys a little bit uh, of a background for me. Uh, I, I grew up in church. I grew up in, in Pentecost. I grew up in... Uh, in the Pentecostal church, uh, I remember one of my most vivid memories I have as a four-year-old kid. I was, uh, for some of you that have been in the Douglasville area for a while, there used to be Douglasville Church of God over, over all, right across the tracks. And that's where my, my uh, family went to church. And as a kid, I remember being over, over here. You know how kids, when back in the day, you're, you sleep underneath the, the pew when your parents were doing, doing church So I was asleep underneath the second pew, and I woke up face to face with a man that was demon-possessed, and they were casting out a demon, and I remember, I vividly remember this, looking directly in his eyes and falling back asleep. Because the Holy Spirit was moving in our church, and as a kid, I didn't think anything about it. It wasn't, I wasn't afraid of it. I wasn't like, what's going on? My parents now, looking back, I wish my parents wouldn't have let me sleep there because I was face to face with someone that was very, like it was It was a violent kind of deliverance. Um, but I remember that as a kid, like that vivid memory of the Holy Spirit touching this man and he was delivered. And I remember just, eh, it's just the things of, of God and the Holy Spirit moving in our church. Uh, later in my life, uh, I kind of strayed away from from the Lord, and and I went to a church in Pensacola, Florida in 1997. Uh, if you've heard of the Brownsville Revival, uh, I went there, and God changed my life, radically changed my life. I was on drugs, and somehow I got taken down to this church. You know how that somehow, you know, Holy Spirit led led me down there. Uh, A friend of mine, we stood in line. We got up at 6 in the morning, was sitting in line for church. It was weird because you had some really weird people in line for the church service that was going to happen at 7 o'clock that night. We got in there, and the Lord spoke very clear to me and changed my life. I left that I left that church completely changed, and then in uh, January of 98 I went enrolled into their Bible school and was there for three and a half years and uh, and I've seen some really cool things so when you talk about when you ask me about life in the Holy Spirit, it started when I was young, as I got a little older, I've seen some things and i To me, the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood part of the Trinity. Since Jesus ascended and left us the Holy Spirit, man has messed it up from day one. You don't believe me? Go look at denominations. The majority of the denominations that have been set up are because they didn't Agree about who? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gets a bad rap. The Holy Spirit gets this, this reputation because you can't see him. You can't, like, if you don't search for it, you, you might not feel him. You might not experience him. You might miss him. Some people think the Holy Spirit is like, you know, that force from Star Wars. Like he's just this force or this, this mystical being, this, you know, this ghost per se. I mean, we even, you know, holy ghost, but he's not. And what I want to do tonight is I want, I want us to just take some practical looks, some practical ways of looking at the Holy Spirit. There's some characteristics about the Holy Spirit that. That I think probably someone has said, maybe over the last few weeks, there's probably going to be some overlapping. But at the same time, ask the Holy Spirit, what what do you want to say to me tonight through this message, through, through, through this vessel? Because I can't speak and teach like Mama June. She did a phenomenal job last week. But the Holy Spirit can speak through me to you tonight if you will open up. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with us. We're the body. And so I don't want my voice to be heard. I want the Holy Spirit to speak tonight. Amen? Amen? So when we look at this, we think of the Holy Spirit. You may think of him by name. Sometimes you think, well, okay, you see... He was, vis- he was visible there with the baptism of Jesus. You know, the, the Bible says that, the, that when Jesus was baptized, that the Spirit descended like a dove in, in the form of a dove, and you heard a voice, and the voice said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So we, we hear about the Holy Spirit there. But there's a question that I want us to, to ask. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he really? Who is he to you? Who is he to your family? Who is he to your children? Like, who is he to your spouse? Who is he in your own life? And there's some characteristics that we're going to look at that the Bible is very clear about about who the Holy Spirit is. And the first The first part is his divine characteristics. The Holy Spirit has some divine characteristics. He has some some characteristics that are synonymous with Jesus, with God, and him being the part of the Trinity that is given to us, given for us. So, the divine characteristics we want, and I'm just going to roll through these, we're going to put them on the screen, Um, and you have your sheet there that we're going to look at divine characteristics, we're going to look at the personal characteristics, and then we're going, to, we're going to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit to us? All right? So divine characteristics. The first one, and these are not exhaustive, these are just some things we, I picked out, but the first one is, uh, he's called God. The Holy Spirit, he is, he's called God. If you look in Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, it says, Peter said to uh, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. And down in the green there you see, you weren't lying to us, but to who? God. To God. So, so he's, the Holy Spirit is called God. Lots of denominations drop off right there. Because, they're, because if we say the Holy Spirit is God, now we're bringing him equal with God the Father and God the Son. So if we believe the Trinity, then we believe the Spirit has authority in that Trinity because he's called God. Yeah. We see this here. Luke, Luke told us in Acts, he told us here that you, didn't, the, you lied to the Holy Spirit and then he said you weren't lying to us but to God. So Luke tied it together. Holy Spirit, God. Second characteristic we see is he's called the Spirit of God. He's called the Spirit of God. In Genesis one two, you see it says the earth was formed, formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering the waters. So the Spirit of God. So we see the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of God. And then Judges three ten, we see the Spirit of the Lord came upon this person and, be, and became a judge. And he went to war, and you see the Spirit came on him. So we see the Spirit of the Lord, all right? So he is the Spirit of God. The third char- divine characteristic, and I'm rolling through these quickly because I want to get to the, the, how it applies to us. But the third one is he, he's considered God. He's considered God. You may say, well, you, you said he's called God, but he's considered God. Well, look at in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. It says... That is why the Holy Spirit says today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. So he's considered God. He is equivalent to God the Father and Jesus the Son. The Trinity is locked. They're locked in step together. Number four. He's equal to the Father and the Son. I've alluded to it already, but you see it in Scripture here where, and I said it earlier about the baptism, but this is what it says in Matthew. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the Spirit of God, in the green there, descended like a dove, and then in blue, a voice from heaven, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Right. This verse right here has the Trinity just All together here. It it just, and I love it because we now, this is where Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and, and we see all of those characteristics just come together right there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's given for us. It's given for us. The fifth divine characteristic: He's eternal. He's eternal. Am I going too fast by the way with these? Good. I was a teacher. I know you gotta ask. You know, sometimes sometimes everybody just sit there. "Uh, Can you slow down? Nobody will say anything. It's okay. He's eternal. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It says, just think of how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds. And look in the in the yellow for by the power of the holy by the power of the eternal spirit christ offered himself to god we see the spirit of god helping jesus the eternal spirit what that means to me is when you say eternal spirit that means the holy spirit has been there from the beginning he's eternal he was there in the beginning he will be there in the end he's eternal You can't separate him from the Godhead. Number six, he's omnipresent. The Spirit of God is omnipresent, meaning he is in all places at all times for all things. Sometimes we think the devil is omnipresent. He's not. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. Look at Psalm 139. You probably have heard this scripture before. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, or as, as Pastor Mark and Miss Ann like, in Sheol, you're there. What does that mean? No matter, no matter where I go, the spirit of God follows me. You might, some of you might have a, a wayward son or daughter. Guess what? The Holy Spirit is right there with them. They're right there with them. You, you might, you know, you, we could be across the world, and the Holy Spirit is there. It was amazing. When, uh, back in 1998, I was able to go to Indonesia and Malaysia on a mission trip. Saw some amazing things happen. But I called my mom, and and I was blown away that I was hours ahead of her. And the Holy Spirit was there, talking to her on the phone, and I'm telling her what God was doing with us. And guess what? The Holy Spirit was with her, and she was touched. The presence of God is in all places, and you can't hide from it. You can't run from it. You can't go any, anywhere without the presence of the Lord. Number seven, he's omniscient. He's omniscient. It means he knows it all. He is all-knowing. He is an all-knowing spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. But it was to us that God revealed these things by the Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. See, Paul, Paul is tying God's Spirit to God the Father's thoughts. They're synonymous. They, they flow together. He's omniscient. Number eight, He's sovereign. He's sovereign. The Holy Spirit is sovereign. Zechariah 12.10, I will pour out a Spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David. They will look on me whom they've pierced. They will grieve bitterly for him as for the firstborn son who has died. He's sovereign. God is a sovereign God. He knows knows how to work all of our stuff together. His sovereignty is, is way higher than we could imagine or think. Like... I can't tell you how crazy it was that the prayers that my parents were praying for me brought me back on the right path. And here I thought I was on my own path, but the sovereign hand of God was leading me right back to where he needed me to be. Sovereign, when you know, we think sovereign we think of a king that rules. Think of it like that. The Holy Spirit is sovereign. He rules. The ninth divine characteristic is he's involved with creation. He's involved with creation. You see it in Genesis 1-2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface. So the Spirit in the beginning was connected with God the Father's voice. Number 10, he enabled the writing of the Bible. He enabled the writing of the Bible. I love this verse, Second Peter 1, verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke and they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, when, when, when people are prophetic individuals, they speak... Same way God spoke creation, and it came to be a prophetic word spoken through man by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they were moved. They were changed. The prophetic word. He's, he and, and, and these men, like, you think about it. They thought they were just writing letters. They thought they were just writing books. Maybe they knew the Holy Spirit was inspiring them. I don't know. However, it all came together because the Holy Spirit used their hands, their minds, their scribes to write what we now see as the Holy Scriptures. And thank God for that. Thank God that they they obeyed the Holy Spirit's voice. Number 11, he helps us to recognize the glory of God. He helps us to recognize the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that Satan, who's the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message of the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Wow, that's powerful. The glory of Christ, exact likeness of God. And then the last divine characteristic, him as a divine part of the Godhead, he enables us to call upon Jesus. When I, when I was looking at this, this verse, I've read this verse before, but it something jumped out at me, and I know it was the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians twelve three. So I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. Why? Because there are a lot of people that claim to be Christians. I'm not here to judge anyone, but there are a lot of people that claim to be Christians. But there's a part of me that has a hard time with a part of that Because if you remove the Holy Spirit, you're not complete. That's what I'm getting from the scripture. No one can say Jesus is Lord except for how? By the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit gives us utterance, gives us understanding, gives us the ability, even the ability to say that Jesus is Lord. So when someone says, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the Holy Spirit, I don't don't believe that. I don't think you can separate the two or three. You can't. The Holy Spirit is who Jesus left us, and we'll get into that in, in where it pertains to us, but he left the Holy Spirit so we cannot remove him. You can't say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is me. A person that doesn't know Christ can't say Jesus is actually Lord. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to say that. Now, men can claim it, of course. But I mean like really saying Jesus is Lord. Take it and switch it. Jesus is my Lord can't say that without who? The Holy Spirit. All right? So those are, those are the divine characteristics. So the, that qualifies the Holy Spirit as divine. He's divine. He's divinity. He's part of the Trinity. Right? Okay? So next, the cool thing about God is God makes the Holy Spirit now a person. Not only is he divine, but he's a person. He's personal. He's like, like, I know my wife. She's a person. Her characteristics. I believe the Holy Spirit is that same way. He becomes a person. Somebody that I can, I can call on. I can call in the middle of the night. I can pick up the phone. I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, because I've had this happen, I can pick up the phone and call Pastor Mark at 3 in the morning. I've had to do that. Some of you in here have done that. And he he didn't pick up the phone. He was sleeping. But 20 minutes later, he called me back. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is the same way. So when we look at these personal characteristics, it makes the Holy Spirit more relevant to our lives. Right? And, and, And to me, this is where the church has gone wrong big time because we don't understand the Holy Spirit. If he's just the force like Star Wars that mm, he's gonna, I'm going to do it for me, but he's not an actual person, then I'm never going to understand him. So he's referred to as a person. He speaks. He witnesses. What that means is he testifies. He's, he's, he's a testimony He's like in a court case. He's he's testifying. David, he's my my friend. He gets up on stand and testifies. It's almost like on judgment day, the Holy Spirit's gonna stand up on the witness stand and go, yep, I knew him. I knew Elijah. He's my friend. I I talk to him every day. He's, he's He's a witness, but he's also a witness through us. So now now when I have things go on in my life, I can say, hey, listen, this is what happened in my life. I don't know if this is going to help you. This is my testimony. Here you go. He witnesses. He testifies through us. He searches. What does that mean? He searches for his spirit. He looks around to see see like-mindedness. He wants to fill. He searches. He can be grieved. This right here is very misunderstood. But have you ever I've been in services where you could feel the Holy Spirit was grieved. It's almost like sometimes where he wants to speak to somebody in the congregation and they don't want to listen. And 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 it's almost like I wish that we could have it peeled back and you could see I guarantee you he's crying. Why? Because he's grieved. I want my son, I want my daughter to hear what I have to say. There was part of the service on, uh, one of the services on Sunday. I don't remember which service it was. Pastor Mark got up and there was, there was, I think it was the last service. I can't remember. All I know is we lingered and lingered. And it was like God was, it's almost like somebody wasn't listening and, and we were just all just kind of waiting. And, and, you know, me being over in the sound booth listening and watching. And, and I, it just, I felt like somebody's just not opening their heart enough. And that to me is, he can be grieved. He can be grieved. Because he wants to talk. If he stops a service to talk to your need and you don't listen. You ever had a kid that you stop, talk to them, and they don't listen? Are you grieved? Yeah. Now, you're mad, but you're grieved. You're frustrated. You're like, oh, why are they not listening? I, they they say they love me. They say they know me. But here I am talking to them, and they're just not listening. Number six, he loves. He loves. He loves us enough he would stop a service and talk to one of us. That's amazing. He has a mind. He has a mind. He, he thinks. Now, he thinks like God. He doesn't think like us, but his mind is on the things of heaven and on the things that are for our good. He can be tested. The Bible says, put him to the test. Why? Because we need him to work. He can be resisted how many times have we resisted the Holy Spirit man I can't tell you before I came to know Jesus people coming to me saying God's got a plan for your life he's gonna do something in you and I'm like I just want to go smoke weed quit talking to me and I would resist and the last one he has a will now his will is God's will but he has a will right all right? So he's divine, he's a person, but how do we apply it to our life? How can, how can we take his divinity, take him as a person, and make it to where now we say, how, how is he going to work in our lives? How can we practically apply the word of God in our lives? Because this is where I think a lot of people just they just get off the rails it's not difficult to follow God it's really not now, our flesh makes it difficult, but if you really look at the scriptures, he lays out exactly how to follow him. He lays it out it's like it's like you know you're taking the driving test you know when you're a teenager you're about to go take it. you look you, you, they tell you. Everything that's in the test, you look at it, it's there. But if you don't know it all, you're going to fail the test. He wants us to apply his divinity and that person in our own lives. So how does he work in our lives? How does the Holy Spirit work in our lives? Let me give you this This, this very first one. Uh, He makes known the presence of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, he's not this rogue member of the Trinity that does his own thing. He doesn't doesn't say, I'm going to work over here. Jesus did this, but I'm going to do this. His primary work is to make known the presence of Jesus. He He wants to make known the presence of Jesus in our lives, and he wants to make known the presence of Jesus through us to other people's lives. He uses us. He wants to bring, the Holy Spirit is rooted in bringing the presence of Jesus in every situation. Now, sometimes in our uh, illustration here, the scripture, it was a a negative, all right? Acts chapter five, verse 32. The story is about Ananias and Sapphira. And what happened? They lied to who? The Holy Spirit. And if you've been around church long enough, you know, they died. They died because they were selfish. They died because they wanted to keep something for themselves and hide and make themselves look good, but also hide a little bit. The presence of Jesus, though, when the Holy Spirit shows up, The presence of Jesus shows up and they are eliminated. Now, that's the craziest story. This is after Jesus went to heaven. I've been in church a long time. I've never seen somebody die for not giving. Makes you want to give money, right? (laughs) Like that's crazy. It's a crazy story. The book of Acts has some crazy stories. If you want to find some crazy stuff, there's people going from one location to the next. There's people dying for lying, dying for lying. There's all kinds of stuff happening. But the Holy Spirit's wanting the presence of Jesus to be, to be made known. One time when I was in Bible school, there was, about, uh, there was one of the services we had. It was like a chapel service. And a man named Tommy Tenney, if you've been around church, I don't know if you know Tommy Tenney is. Tommy Tenney, I don't know how he is today, but back in the day, amazing. He came in, he was very humble. I love, I just, and just, you could just feel the presence of the Lord. There's about 1,200 of us in there. And he started talking about the presence of Jesus, he started talking about the holiness of God. I was there, I know. All of a sudden, a weight fell in the room. When I say a weight, it was like you could feel the presence of Jesus as tangibly as I could, as I'm touching my hands. Never in my life have I seen 1,200 people hit the floor as fast as I saw, and they were weeping crying some were repenting some were and you just hearing and and what were they doing the holy spirit had come into the room and brought the presence of jesus and lives were changed from that one particular event because the holy spirit wants to make known the presence of jesus You've heard people say, man, I feel Jesus in the room. How is that? Power of the Holy Spirit. Man, man, I felt Jesus in that conversation. How? Power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work in the believer's life if we'll let him. And our main, one of this, the main objectives is to make known the presence of Jesus. Jesus is real. And the Holy Spirit is the one that bears witness to that. And that service, I'm telling you guys, it was amazing. It was was so tangible. That's that's the best word I can give you is there was a tangible presence of Jesus. And it wasn't about laying hands on people and them falling out because that stuff did happen. But it wasn't about he just literally got up on the stage and started talking about the presence of God and whoosh. And all you could do, you know, it's kind of like uh, in the scriptures where it says that a man showed, which or an angel or whoever shows up, what do they do? Hit the floor. It's like the holiness of God just shows up and you can't do anything. Your flesh is paralyzed. It's the best way I can describe it. When the Holy Spirit wants the presence of Jesus to show up, it does. And that should be our prayer, right? We want the Holy Spirit to show up and let the presence of Jesus change us, make us more like Him. So He makes known the presence of Jesus. Number two, through that, He makes us more like Jesus. Pastor Mark talked about this on on Sunday, about making us more, the goal is to get up every day and say, Holy Spirit, Help me be more like Jesus. That's my goal. I don't focus on my faults. I don't focus on my shortcomings. Holy Spirit, come and make me more like you. Holy Spirit, the Greek word for that is paraclete. You've heard it. Uh, Mama June talked about it last week about the uh, the comforter coming alongside uh, my practical brain here's how I learned what a paraclete was, all right? I played football and played baseball in high school. Played it all the way up. I even tried out for a college team baseball and didn't make it. But both of those sports, you wear cleats, right? Football, you have the hard plastic cleats. Sometimes you have uh, uh, the high top ones. And in baseball... You have steel cleats. Both of the cleats help you run faster, pitch better, bat, whatever, whatever it is. They help you do something. They help you accomplish your goal of playing that sport. So in my small-minded mind, pair of cleats, <laughs> pair of cleats. For whatever reason, it stood out, and guess what? It helps me. It helps me to know that he's the helper. He helps me accomplish his will, his goal, whatever it is. Play football, talk to someone about him, go across the world, do your job, whatever. He's a a paraclete. He's a comforter. He's a helper. He comes alongside you to accomplish his goal. He doesn't do it. He does it through a you. Let me say that again. He's not the... Yes, he's doing it, but he's doing it through you. He's your paraclete. He's your Paraclete. All right? He makes us more like Jesus. The scripture here in John 15, 8 through 11, it says, By this my Father... Is glorified that you bear much fruit. If you keep my commandments, commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be full. Why? He wants us to bear fruit. And being walking alongside the Paraclete, we will bear fruit as his children. Amen? As we become more like Jesus. Number three. He helps us understand scriptures. Now, this is important. This is really important. Because as we read the scriptures, we can get, we can get distracted. We can get lost. We can go, what, what are you trying to say? That doesn't make any sense. Jesus wept. What does that mean? Okay, but there's depth to it. Jesus can speak to you through Jesus wept. Because the Scriptures are alive. They're they're breathing life into us. He helps us understand the Scriptures. The relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Bible is twofold. We're going to look at two different things in this section. The first one is inspiration. The Holy Spirit being part of the Scriptures. It says, "...all Scriptures breathed out by God." Isn't it funny that the, this scripture, Tim, that Paul wrote this to Timothy, the same words, now I know this is in the Greek and then the Hebrew in the Old Testament, but the same words, breathed out by God, God breathed into Adam and what? Life came. It says here, all scripture was breathed out by God, by the Holy Spirit, and profitable for teaching, reproof, and correction, and training. In other words, When God breathes life into something, he inspires life to come out. So when those men and those women, whoever was writing those scrolls or those letters, they were breathing out the very same life of God that was in the very beginning in creation. Breathing life. So when we read the scriptures, life should jump out at us. Life should jump inside of us why? Because the inspiration was for us to believe the words as they are, as they are written. Now, yes, you need, to under, you need to dig deep and figure out what this is saying but, but in the scriptures. But the inspiration that the Holy Spirit worked under inside these men gives us life. The second part is it gives us understanding. In John 16, 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into what? All truth. He will guide us into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. See, the Holy Spirit's not on his own island. He's giving us understanding. He's giving us clarity in our minds when we read the scriptures, when we, when we talk about it to our friends, when we talk about it with our families, with our, with our kids, with our grandkids, with whoever we're talking, there's, there's understanding that will proceed out of our mouth into their lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the scriptures are alive. They're not dead. They're not dead, they're alive. When you read them, and you, you, some of you, you've had this happen You can read the same scripture 25 times and on the 26th time, something comes alive. Something breathes on the inside of you and it jumps out and there's life. What happens? It's understanding that's happening on the inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives to breathe through us. What did he say? We are all written epistles so that all men can read our lives and see a testimony. That's that's my paraphrased version of that. He wants us to be written and read so that people can see the Holy Spirit in our lives. Number four of how he works in our lives, he calls us to work for him. He calls us to work for him about a year before i really gave my heart to the lord there was i was at a i don't know i don't know why i was at a youth service i was just there some my friends were there i was at a church service and i didn't i didn't care about god i didn't care about jesus i was just there probably because some girl was there sorry but i was there and at the end this Girl was, this lady was there and she was very prophetic. All right? She walked up to me and she said, I didn't know her. She didn't know me. She said, God's got a call on your life. I see you. Now, remember, I'm completely not living for Jesus. I see you standing in front of a thousand teenagers preaching the gospel in a foreign country and I'm sitting here going lady you have lost your mind <laughs> she said I see you in front of a thousand teenagers she said and, and God is going to use you in the nations two years later two years later I was standing in Malaysia at a youth conference in front of a thousand teenagers preaching the gospel. He calls us to work for him. When he calls, he calls. Like we can keep hanging the phone up. Like today I was at, I was at my job and I was trying to call this lady and say, "Hey, we need to work on I need to get set up some a photo shoot for you." And Every time I called her, something was wrong with her phone. And she's like, hello, hello. And I'm like, Sharonda, hey, hey Sharonda. And she's like, and then click, she hangs up on me. Happened five times. So I sent her an email. I'm like, hey, I'm trying to, t- I'm trying to call you. Call me back on a phone that works. But whatever. I just couldn't get through to her. But I was just pressing in that's what the Lord does. He's not going to let up. He's going to keep calling. You might keep hanging up. You might keep doing your own thing. You might keep, but guess what? As a teenager, I didn't see what she saw, but man, when I was standing in front of those kids, boy, it came to life. And I just cried. I just cried. I couldn't do anything but go, God, you've got my life in your hands. And when he calls you to work for him, he calls you. You can go to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, but guess what? He's going to keep calling you. I think I even texted the Sharonda. just like, hey, call me, please. I need to set this up. He keeps calling. Just whatever way, he's going to get a hold of you. And there's three examples I want to give you where he called people in Acts. Barnabas and Saul. It says, while they were worshiping and worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. The Holy Spirit right here was calling Barnabas and Saul to go and preach the gospel somewhere else. He was calling them to the work. He was calling them to go do something for him. All right? The next one is Philip. God called Philip to go to the Ethiopian. It says in, in Acts 8, this is, one of my, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. And the Spirit of God said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. Now, context. Philip is running next to a chariot. Running. God's like, hey, go over here. I'm like, uh, how's that possible? Like, and then Philip is, after he talks to him, guess what? He's translated somewhere else. That's like, that's like sci-fi stuff. Lie to the Holy Spirit, you drop dead, translated to another part of the country. It's crazy. When God calls you to do something, guess what? You're going to go. Next one is, Paul is actually told not to go somewhere. In Acts 8, 29 and 31, it says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Sometimes God says, don't do this. Don't go over there. Valerie and I, we've we've done mission work a, a, a lot of different countries. And, and, and one time we were in Cameroon, West Africa, and we had a leader that was very radical. Like he did, he... <laughs> One time we were on the streets preaching the gospel and there was a parade going down and it was Muhammad's birthday and we were standing on that corner preaching Jesus. Scared? Yes. But God protected us. But there were times where we would think we're going to go over here and the Holy Spirit would say, no, I want you to go over here. And one time we went to a village where there was a hundred people in the village and we saw half of the village come to know Jesus. Half of that, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We saw a witch came to the event thinking there was a man of God. what she heard. She shows up, hadn't walked in nine years, walked to the event, got healed, got saved, and got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because God said, don't go there, go here. See, he wants to do something, but sometimes we're just not listening. Sometimes he wants you to stop at that QT and talk to that person that's asking you for $5. Hey, man, can you, can you buy me something? Yeah, sure, let's go in there and let me get you some food. God will guide us every single step of the way. Amen? Amen. Number five, He empowers us to serve. The Holy Spirit empowers us for service. He empowers us to do good things. He enables us to do what we've been called to do. He's called us to do it, but He's going to empower us to do it. He doesn't just say, go do it. He says, go do it, and I'll give you the strength to do it. I'll empower you. I will help you. I am the paraclete. I will help you complete the mission that I have for your life. You may say, I don't like this job. I don't like where I'm at. God has you there for a reason. And until he says, get up and go somewhere else, thrive where you're at. Because the Holy Spirit may want you there, and you're the only one that can reach that person that you despise. He empowers us to serve. Acts 4:13. This is my favorite scripture in the entire Bible. It Says now when the when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I want people to say about me he's been with Jesus. And I don't do that every day. Sometimes I get up and I'm selfish and I'm all about me. I know it's just me. and None of y'all have this happen. I know, I know, I know it's just me. I'm just being honest. I'm, I'm being vulnerable. I want people to go, he's been with Jesus. I'm not perfect. I hope I'm never perfect in this world. I hope I'm striving for perfection. Because when I get to heaven, that's when we'll be perfect, right? Recognize, hey, he's been with Jesus. He is is a believer. There's something different about him. There's something different about her. Recognize. It says they were uneducated, common men. In other words, they might have been saying, Luke might have been saying, because Luke was an educated man. Luke was a doctor. Luke might have been saying they were just dumb folk. But God used them because they said they'd been with Jesus. The Holy Spirit will empower us to serve. Number six, he helps us to pray. He helps us to pray. We need help, right? The best place you can be is at the place where you say, I don't know how to pray. That goes totally against our minds. Totally against, when you, you know, have you ever, and this has happened to me, but have you ever come to the altar and somebody says, what can I, what can I pray for you? You're like, I don't even know what to pray. That's where the Holy Spirit wants you. Why? Because look what it says. You, you, if you've been in Christianity long enough, you should know this. Likewise, the Spirit helps what? In our weaknesses. We don't like to be weak, especially men. We don't like to be weak. We like to think we got figure it figured out. We can fix it. We're fixers, right? Right? You tell me a problem, I'm gonna fix it. Oh, the car's broken down? Yeah, I'll go figure it out. No, I have no clue how to do it. YouTube will tell me. Right? My dad told me, he said, if you're in a situation and you gotta do it, there's nobody else there to do it but you. So why not fix it? That's not okay, sure. So I just have to fix it. Sometimes I don't know how to fix it. Sometimes you don't know how to fix your problems. You're weak. We're all weak. But that's when the Holy Spirit gives us what we need. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep. If he told us what it was all about, we wouldn't understand it anyway. So, in other words... If we can get to the place, not that we're weak as in we're, we're shy back. No, we say, God, like Pastor Mark said on Sunday, Holy Spirit, help me today. I don't know what I need. I don't know what I need to pray. I don't know how I need to go, but I need your help. Please come. That is a different kind of weakness. It's actually a strength. Number seven. He guides us. The Holy Spirit guides us. He guides us into all things. He guides us where we don't know. He's a map. He's like our GPS. He'll tell us where we need to go. We trust Google Maps more than we trust the Holy Spirit sometimes. You've seen the Office episode where Michael follows the GPS and he ends up in the lake? Well, the GPS told me to do it. We follow a piece of technology. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit guiding us, we're like, I don't know, maybe I know better. Maybe I can do it a little. Maybe I know something he doesn't know. He guides us. Remember, he led Jesus into the wilderness. That's completely foreign to us. He led Jesus to be tempted. Why? Because there was something that Jesus was going to conquer, that Jesus was going to overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead us places that doesn't make sense. When my dad died in 2009, man, it rocked our whole family. Changed my life. Saw Saw him die. Blows my mind that I can stand here and talk to you about it But I know that I know that I know that God led our family into it and we are overcomers because we're letting the Holy Spirit use it. He guides us. He guides us. It doesn't make sense to my mind. It doesn't. But it has changed my life. As a man, I rely now more on the Holy Spirit than I did before. I trust him more. That's completely foreign to the world. What? You, you follow him more now than when something dramatic happened? Yeah, because I know he's good. And I know he's got a plan. And I've seen him work that plan out. He guides us. He's guiding us to a deep, personal Level of the Holy Spirit. And when we say this, this script, uh, this line, walking according to the Spirit, he guides us. Galatians 5 16 and 25. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Number eight, he empowers us to build the local church. This is what it's about. Listen, the book of Acts is about building the local church. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem. I'm going to endure you with power. You're going to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Guess what? We're the uttermost parts of the world. The local church is important. That's why it's under so much attack. The local church, us, the body, the believers, ones, us walking together, it, it's, it's so misunderstood. The church has also been deceived and is mistreating people, and so the church gets a bad name. But that doesn't negate that he empowers us to build the local church. It's important. It's important. People still need to know that Jesus is Lord. And how does that happen? Through the church. We as believers. And then the last thing, he gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11 says, All these are empowered by one And the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as what? He wills. He gives the Spirit to us. You need things that I don't and I need things that you don't. And the Spirit knows what we have need of even before we ask it. And He empowers us to accomplish the goal for our lives and the the path that He wants in our lives for our families, for our ministries, for everything that he has for us. So, in conclusion, as you can see, the Holy Spirit, he's not this mysterious being. He's not like, you know, the Adams Family, you know, Cousin It, where you don't see his face. It's... He's not like this, this weird, kooky thing. He's not. He has, he has characteristics that equate him to God, he has characteristics that equate him to a person. And he has given us the ability to walk it out and to know how we, as children of God, can be a representative of him to the world. Amen? Yes. So my, my hope tonight, you probably, some of this you've heard before, but my hope tonight is that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and you could be a little closer to him And a little more open to him to use you because he wants to use each one of us. Each one of us has something to do in his kingdom. Amen? Let's pray.